Hello again, and thank you for tuning back into my podcast. This is Jason Stone. I am also known as my online moniker, Magic Lasagna. It is pretty easy to find me on most platforms. That opening clip was Panic at the Disco, a song called Hey Look Ma, I Made It. Um, it's a pretty good song, but it's also kind of a little bit about the topic that we're going to have today, which is um, startup businesses. This is a topic that I don't know a incredible amount about because I've never fully done it myself. I've worked on it and um, understand the downfalls of trying to do it because I've failed a few times when trying to do it. So it's something that I can talk a little bit about. Um, but as far as the song goes, isn't that kind of what everybody really wants is to be able to call their friends and family and say, you know, hey, look, I made it. And uh, probably one of the most successful ways to be able to do that would be by starting and running your own business, or should I say really, a successful business. I can tell you from experience, the number one reason why startup businesses fails is cash flow. And cash flow is the idea that the amount of money coming in has to be more than the amount of money going out. Which means if you open a business and you're selling coffee mugs, uh, the cost of the coffee mug has to be enough to bring in enough profit to be able to pay for the cost of everything that you need to do. Uh, Your marketing, the cost of actually producing the coffee mug. For whatever you're doing, whether you're selling a product like that or a service, um, the money coming in has to be greater because you're also going to need to be able to pay yourself. If you can't pay yourself enough money to pay for your bills, your mortgage, um, take care of your family, then the business isn't going to work out in the long run because the amount of cash flow that you have going into the business is going to supersede what you have coming back to you. That being said, some of the the key mistakes with that is... um, People don't figure out how to make their money right now. I work in the car business, and um, one of the things about the car business is is you need to sell that product right now. Um, It has to be today, right now, this very second, because you never know if you'll get another chance to sell that product again. And when I talk about selling product, um, it could be anything from selling yourself as a power washer or, uh, you know, from selling a consulting service where you consult people on what they should do with their money. Um, everything, Everybody's selling everything. It doesn't matter because in, even in running your own business, if you aren't selling a physical product, you're selling the need for your business to be out there. And uh, if people need it, they'll flock to you. Um, so you really have to think about how you're going to stay afloat and pay yourself That means providing for your lifestyle and your family, making sure all of your bills are paid, 
The last thing you want to do is to start your business only for it to die slowly because you're putting that money back into the business to try to grow it and you don't have enough for yourself. Um, unless you have some serious financial backing, uh, you need to establish your monthly target deal size in order to cover your liabilities. Uh, think about how you're going to sell enough fast enough to recover everything that you need to turn a profit. If you can't figure out how to do that, then you need to go back to the drawing board to figure out uh, profit margins or uh, return on investments. For instance, if you're running an ice cream shop, you know, would buying the ice cream Terminator 2022 that runs on diesel fuel, would buying that piece of equipment take your business over the top to be able to provide more ice cream to people? Or should you just stick with the plain 2000 model? Um, because it's sufficient to get the job done. Uh, those are the kinds of decisions that you're going to have to weigh. And a lot of people aren't qualified to make those kind of decisions because they haven't educated themselves on the subject at all. Um, and if you can't figure out the difference between those products, uh, typically what a lot of people will do is try to go for the biggest and the best when it might not necessarily suit what they need in their business to be able to succeed. So for instance, if in the same situation, if I have the 2000 model ice cream maker or whatever it is, and I have, uh, you know, a thousand customers that come by my business a day, and that model's capable of cranking out 1,200 ice cream units, then that's sufficient. It's uh, providing more than I even need for my business, and it's getting the job done. Just because the Death Machine 2044 or whatever can produce 5,000 ice cream units, that doesn't mean that I need that unit. Um, so looking at some of the things that you will need for your business and determining uh, that can help you go forward because at the end of the day you can always make an upgrade later if you need to. It's like one of the things that we always say uh, in the car business, uh, keep it simple stupid. You don't want to overcomplicate your business model. It's actually normally fairly straightforward. Um, you have a product or service that people want to buy and you advertise it. And then people come buy it from you. After that is where the quality situation comes in. Because the number one thing that you want is happy customers. I can't tell you how many times I've read a news article or something about a business getting absolutely review bombed on Google or something. And, you know, them actually going underneath because of it. It happens all the time. If people hate your product, you're going to go out of business. Um, it's not something that you can count on people always buying if the, if the quality and the service isn't there. Um, so that's something that you're going to have to figure out as well. You can't you know, necessarily always cheap out on things. Um, you can't always have the situation where um, you don't take care of the customer. Um, there's the old moniker, the customer is always right. And that comes from being able to take care of your customers so they go elsewhere and spread the wonderful news. You want them to be a glowing ambassador for your company and have nothing but great things to say about you. Um, I see it happening right down the road for me at one of my, uh, what used to be my favorite seafood spots. I won't name any names, but when they opened up, they were phenomenal. The food was good, um, great service, no problems. And then just over time, you know, um, I don't know if the ownership just kind of laxed up or started cheapening out on product, but uh, the food started coming out not so good. Uh, there were plenty of times when you could see that the wait staff was visibly 
um, intoxicated or strung out on something. And uh, now it's one of the places that I choose not to go anymore. And uh, it was by far one of my favorite places. So that being said, you can't take your eye off the ball either. Um, in most situations, uh, any business would truly frown upon having their uh, employees at work intoxicated or impaired in any way because they are the representative. They are the first face of your business. And being that first face, uh, they're going to tell the customer everything that your business represents. And if they're slurring their words and they're dressed unkempt and uh, they smell bad and stuff like that, the customers aren't going to want to shop with you regardless as to how much they like your product. Because, let's face it, pretty much everything's been thought of for the most part. Unless you come up with something truly innovative and different, then they have no reason to come after your product because they can just find it somewhere else. For example, electricians. I mean, I can throw a dart at my phone book and find an electrician, or I should say, you know, just type in Google, electrician in Leland, and it's going to come up with a dozen or more choices easily. So if I don't like the work that one of them did, or he showed up to my house and it was obvious that he was drunk or something, I'm not going to go with that company. I'm going to use a different company. One of the other things you're going to have to look at is your personal resources uh, and your ability to become resourceful. Um, one of the things that I do is anytime I sell a car to somebody that has their own business or they work in a specific field, I ask them for a business card and I keep it in a little binder um, at my desk to where I have access to pretty much anything that I need for anybody to use, you know, so if somebody comes up to me and asks me if they need an electrician, I'm going to have an answer for them. I'm going to be able to say, hey, this is the guy you want to talk to, and uh, they'll probably call him up and it'll be good, uh, um, because I'm not going to refer people that I've had bad experiences with, um, but you have to look at your own personal resources, you know, things like friends and family members, um, you know, I don't know if you have any in your family, I certainly don't, but a lot of people would have, you know, could have a family member that's an accountant or a lawyer or something like that. Um, and they can help you on your journey. Some help uh, is paid for and some is free. Um, you really want to utilize that free to low cost aspect in any situation that you can to keep that money cash flow high. Um, because if you keep the cash flow high in your business, you're much more likely to succeed. Um, I think it's something like 90% of all restaurants fail due to undercapitalization, which is just crazy if you think that, you know, 9 out of 10 of them, it's just a money issue. It's not all about, you know, what they're offering or anything. It's just money. Um, but that being said, you don't always need a lot of capital to get a business up and running. It's just going to depend on what your overhead is. Honestly, the biggest expenditure you should really be looking at is advertising and training. Those are the two biggest things. And when I say training, I don't just mean a staff that you'll come up with. I mean training yourself as well. Educating yourself. Um, even the great Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Wall Street. Um, he was pretty much a nobody back in the day. But the one thing he did to turn things around was he went back to college and he took a course on communications. And he learned how to negotiate and talk to people. And once he learned that, 
he never looked back. He's one of the richest men in the world now because of it. And he attributes his success to being able to educate himself, to communicate with people, negotiate and learn how to talk to people. Um, you can't really be an introvert and own a business unless it's maybe something in the IT or technical testing field where you don't necessarily have to talk to people. But that being said, more often than not, you're going to have to talk to people, even as the owner of the business at some point or another. Um, it's true to scale a business, you're going to need more than extra cash laying around. But just to get the business starting up, uh, you know, it could end up being a side hustle at, at first that brings in that extra money you need to supplement your job's income to eventually be able to break free and focus on it full time. Um, they say all the time that most people trade their time for money. And that's going to be true in the sense of owning your business as well until you can actually scale it to a situation where other people can look at it by trading their time for money. At that point, after those people start trading their time for the money, your time frees up and you're able to do other things and expand in other ways, possibly even open another startup business that you've been wanting to try out. But once you're able to scale your startup to the point where somebody else can look after it for you, um, even in the sense of maybe a business partner, you know, your business partner takes on overlooking the business for you um, for 20% of the profit or something. You know, if that's the case, then you're making 80% of the money, investing zero time in the business. And of course, in that situation, that person's highly incentivized to make sure that the business is successful. It's uh, one of my favorite models is, you know, if the business is failing, they're failing. They're not making the amount of money that they should. Um, if they're making sure that the business is successful and moving forward and being profitable, then they're going to profit more. Um, it's a very symbiotic kind of relationship that I truly think makes the best businesses run. Uh, you'll see that a lot of the big popular businesses offer, you know, shareholder plans for, you know, stock options and stuff like that to their employees. Even Walmart. Um, Walmart um, did this thing back in the day where, um, I don't know if they do it still, but I do know they still offer stock options for their employees. Um, but if you got caught doing something good or something extra, your manager would give you a gold star. And once you got like four or five of these gold stars, you could redeem them for a share of Walmart stock. Um, now, that's pretty awesome incentive because, you know, Walmart stock is throughout history been a pretty strong stock. And, you know... You do a little bit extra every day as, a, you know, one of the grunt employees. Most businesses aren't going to compensate you for that. But uh, even with as big and gigantic and corporate as market, uh, Walmart is, they still find little ways to incentivize uh, the, the employees that are on lower, the lower end of the totem pole or in the pecking order. Um, and that can make all the difference in the world. The good thing about cash flow is a lot of times a startup requires a lot of that cash flow for the first couple of years, and then it can kind of break free from that because the first couple of years, people aren't going to know about you. That's why I said one of your highest expenditures should be advertising. Um, it's repetition and exposure. My job does this all the time. It's every single day I have somebody come in and say that they heard us on the radio or that they saw us on TV. It happens all the time. So repetition and exposure and advertising 
are two of the biggest things. I know I get hit on Facebook every day about something that maybe I just mentioned that I was interested in. And because I mentioned I was interested in it, I mean, they just start pounding me with all of these offers and all of these advertisements on it. It's actually pretty impressive. And a lot of times I end up giving in and I end up buying what I was looking at because I keep seeing it over and over and over and that desire to want it is still there. Um, So repetition and exposure are your hugest means of advertising. Sometimes to get these cash flows to where you can pay for the big budget ads and stuff like that might require a credit card advance or a loan. Um, There are startup accelerator programs, uh, angel investor, a business partner. I've recently partnered with one of my coworkers to try to pull some uh, cash flow into where I can invest into real estate. And uh, it has to be somebody that you trust because if you don't trust the person, then it's never going to work out. So it has to be somebody you trust. For startups in their seed phase, the problem with the cash flow is the short-term expenses exceed the short-term income. Because you're not going to go out and be able to spend $100,000 on a franchise or a brick-and-mortar store or the equipment that you need to do the job. And, you know, only have, you know, $50 a day of income coming in because nobody's ever heard who the hell you are. Um, And then go out and spend another $25,000 on advertising and expect that $125,000 to come back within the first month. Um, It's possible. People have done it. But um, it's all one of those things where you always see on TV, your results may vary. It's not a common thing for a business to dump all this cash flow in right at the start as their seed phase and the expenses just come back to them because they immediately are so successful that you know they can expand into two or three or four locations or anything crazy like that. Um, and every startup is going to be a little bit different. Some startups are going to take very little overhead to be able to do it with and some are going to require a lot more. It just depends on what you're doing. Starting a startup business uh, does have its rewards, though. Um, So does keeping it from going out of business, though. Uh, Again, cash flow is very serious in those businesses, and it's something that you really need to sit down and make a list of everything that you would need and everything that you would have to do. Forming an LLC or, you know, a, a corporation of any kind is going to help you out. Uh, looking at your tax implications Uh, You're always going to want a tax guy uh, for a business. They're going to be able to find all the things. And you don't want just like a Joe Blow at HR Block because they're just going to plug all those numbers in. I believe we talked about it um, in my previous tax podcast. They're just going to plug those uh, those numbers into a formula, and that formula is going to spit out a number. They aren't going to do any extra for you because they're not not incentivized in that way. They're incentivized how many contracts they pull, not how well they do on the contracts for people. I guess really the only advice that I can give you about a startup that's true to my heart is to jump in with both feet. Um, I did it in the car business. I didn't have anything else to do. I didn't know what I was going to do for money. I was driving Uber um, just to pay my bills. Um, But I saw the job posting. I jumped in both feet, never worked a commission job before in my life. And I became very successful at it because I tried really hard. And uh, you're going to have to try really hard if you want to run a successful business. Um, 
so I guess some of the key points would be you have to understand your use case um, as it relates to the flow of cash in and out of the business. You need to establish a clear plan for incoming and outgoing payments by people and vendors, whether you need a credit card machine or, you know, if you're a cash-only business. Uh, you need to create a safety net of sorts for risks from other sources above the budget. Something breaks, you have to pay to repair it. Um, you have to consider how disruptions in cash flow could affect other borrowing needs. Um, and you have to seek professional advice. Get yourself a mentor. A lot of people aren't successful like they are today and didn't have a mentor. Uh, almost every entrepreneur in the world is going to tell you at some point they had a mentor, somebody to teach them some things or uh, show them where they're going wrong in their business, whether it's even just paying somebody to come in and be a consultant and say, okay, here's what you're doing wrong. Your A, B, and C is wrong. You know, D and E are right, but we need to work on A, B, and C. So even if it's just hiring a consultant to come in and tell you. But in most cases, a big-time entrepreneur or successful business owner is going to say that they had a mentor. So get yourself a mentor. It needs to be somebody that's done this before and somebody that's successful at it. Hopefully you can find somebody that's much more successful at overall everything in life to be your mentor because they can teach you a lot more about just business. They can teach you about life. And as always, thank you for tuning into my podcast. I'm going to go ahead and cut it off here. Again, I don't care how successful you are because I'm always going to be successful.